Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The Bakersfield 3 is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. About two years after the charges were filed, the trial began for Matthew Queen. It was the first time I'd been back in that courthouse since leaving Bakersfield more than three years earlier. A prominent defense attorney I had always rubbed the wrong way saw me walking down the hall and asked an old cameraman of mine, where'd she park her broomstick? It was good to be back. The energy as we waited outside the courtroom felt electric. Eager young reporters clutched their notepads and laptops, craning their necks, searching for anyone who looked like they might be worth trying to interview. Cameramen fiddled with long extension cords and jurors sat there with a look of nervous curiosity, not making eye contact with anyone while wondering, what are we about to walk into? Cheryl and Lance stood at the end of the hallway, away from the crowd, pacing. Cheryl wore bright blue with a pin of a yellow rose. Yellow roses had taken to symbolizing Micah as he'd spent many years loving them because they reminded him of a dear friend he lost. Jane and I sat together, quietly studying the jury members who'd be making the decision that would drastically impact the mother's lives. Finally, the bailiff opened the courthouse door and ushered us inside. The district attorney's office had picked their top guy for the job, Eric Smith, head of the homicide unit, and a prosecutor that had won high-profile cases before without letting the cameras and constant media coverage throw him off his game. But this case wasn't just high profile. It was extraordinarily complex with 35 charges in total. They ranged from illegal firearm charges to criminal threats to other people in the friend circle. And of course, the biggest charges were the kidnapping, torture, and murder of Micah. The trial was gonna be long and at times very technical. Not exactly the easiest case for a jury to digest. I'm Olivia LaVoice, and this is The Bakersfield Three. Prosecutor Eric Smith started off the trial by summarizing all the different crimes Queen was accused of, eventually ending at Micah's murder. Here are a few excerpts of Prosecutor Eric Smith's opening statement. Queen and Despot were out in the detached garage for about three hours. Ultimately, Bailey returned 
from the garage. She was visibly shaking. Queen returned the next day and asked for help to get rid of something. He didn't specifically say a body, Micah. He just said, help me get rid of something. One thing that Matthew Van de Castile did that day is he pointed out to Sergeant Garrett, there's a spot in the garage. It was kind of weird. It was left behind by Matthew Queen. I suggest you go and see what that is. Ultimately, the test shows that is Micah Holsenbeck's blood. So ultimately, a saw was used to dismember the body of Micah Holsenbeck before it was placed in that black bag. Now, you will hear about how a powerful impact to the head is ultimately what caused the death of Micah Holsenbeck. Ultimately, they can't discern or they can't definitively say it was a gunshot wound because no bullet is recovered. But based on the injuries, uh, it is very likely that a gunshot wound to the head is what killed Micah Holsenbeck. During Eric Smith's opening statements, I realized it was never explained that Bailey was missing. I wondered if jurors thought to themselves, where is she? Why isn't she being tried along with Queen? This was the only thing said that day, and ultimately ever during the entire trial, that perhaps alluded to it. This is a text message uh, sent by uh, Bailey. It says, uh, I fucked up. I need to disappear uh, for a little while. Can't use this phone. That happens at the end of April, about a month after Micah Holsenbeck has been killed. This is the same message you've already heard about that was sent to Bailey's friend Jessica, the one that Jessica said she thought didn't sound like Bailey. Smith then went on to reference the comment on the Mom's Bakersfield 3 Facebook page. Matthew Queen writes, what if one of the BK3 or Bakersfield 3 was responsible for the other BK3? Again, that goes to Bailey Despot being the, who helped him, the co-conspirator in the murder of uh, Micah Holsenbeck. As Smith laid out reasons why Matthew Queen should spend the rest of his life in a cell, Queen looked on intently, occasionally writing notes. Queen wore dress pants and a button-down shirt. Attorneys want their clients to be viewed as regular, ideally good-functioning members of society, not as an inmate before they're convicted. But the white Velcro tennis shoes tend to be a giveaway. Queen's attorney, Timothy Hennessy, wore cowboy boots with his suit. He kept his hand on Queen's chair, somewhat leaning into him as if they were old friends. Here's his opening statement to the jury. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, they don't teach you in, in law school how to do an opening uh, when by the time you get to go, you sense the vibe in the room is that everyone but you thinks your client did it. But I can tell you that won't be the same by the end of this. By the end of this, you may not like Mr. Queen. Hell, you may even hate Mr. Queen. But you will not think he's responsible for Mr. Holsenbeck's death. I think much as you've always heard about the Bakersfield Three, that it is not one evil man killing three friends. Uh, it's no special type of evil. Uh, it's, it's a story just like the stories that go on in this courthouse every day in every courtroom. It's a story about drugs. It's a story about addiction. And it's a story about violence. This is not any special type of evil. This is not a story about one evil man. This is a story about a sad and tragic group. And you're a juror on this case because I trust that you can see that difference. 
you will understand that everything that glitters is not gold. That you will understand that this is not a story about one evil man. This is a story about a sad and tragic group. And at the end of this, I will not be the only one who thinks that Mr. Queen is not responsible for Micah's death. Thank you. As witnesses began taking the stand, there was an apparent theme of people's memory and credibility questioned. One of the witnesses might as well have walked into court with the message, don't listen to anything I say, tattooed on her forehead. I just want to say I'm not uh, credible. I was on drugs, using drugs heavily. She was a prosecution witness meant to help prove one of the kidnapping allegations against Queen. But when she took the stand, it didn't quite go as planned. I'm not credible. Like, I'm telling all of you guys that I'm not a credible witness. When that witness was told she needed to come back after lunch to continue testifying, she mumbled something under her breath. You fucking She wasn't the only witness who seemed like they didn't want to be there and was also having issues with their memory. Such was the case with William Brown, a prosecution witness who was also a longtime close friend of Matthew Queen. This is Smith's co-counsel, Prosecutor Melanie Alaya, asking Brown about Bailey. Now, would you say that Bailey was a bit aggressive? She seemed like she could be at times, yeah. She was angry about things that happened to her in her life. Some of the things that I heard her talk about, I, I can understand why she'd be angry. What would she say about Micah? She just... She didn't really say much about him except for she didn't like him. Now, do you recall Bailey ever telling you anything about wanting to kill Micah? Um, I'm not sure. To refresh his memory, Prosecutor Elia handed Brown a transcript with an interview he did with Sergeant Garrett previously. In there, you state that Bailey had told you at some point, I want to kill that motherfucker one of these days if I get a chance, referring to Micah. You you told Sergeant Garrett that, right? Yes, ma'am. So you yeah. remember making that statement? Yes, ma'am. What'd you think when she said that? I thought she was just doing what like most people do when they're irritated about something, just talking outside of the neck. I don't remember exactly what the conversation was that came up about Micah, but she was just like, just, she was like, oh, one of these days I'd like to kill that motherfucker. <laughs> It was, I didn't take her seriously, you know. She did, didn't, did you think that was a weird statement to make? No, because in conversation on daily, I, I hear people say that all the time. You hear people saying they want to kill people all the time? Oh, yeah. I'm, okay. I tell my brother almost twice a day, sometimes I, I like to blow his face off. <laughs> of course, I never would, he's my brother, but, you know. Prosecutor Elia then asked him about a comparison he once made between Bailey and Matthew Queen and an infamous couple. I asked him something about, uh, they were trying to be Bonnie and Clyde. <laughs> so why did you say that? The Bonnie and Clyde reference, where is that stemming from? Just the, the impression I got from him. <laughs> and you, you testified that Bailey was running around acting thuggish? At times, yeah. What does that mean? I don't know if she was uh, so pretty that you wouldn't see... A pretty girl like that trying to just be that hatefully gangster, you know what I mean? I don't, I don't really know how to explain it. So how was she trying to be gangster? She was trying to fit into a crowd of people that she didn't belong with. 
the crowd of people that Matt was around at the same time wasn't he, he didn't belong around them either. They're just two totally different types of people. Matt's a hardworking individual that just taking care of his family and doing doing what he's supposed to do. And some of the people he was running around with, myself included, was were all screwed up on drugs and didn't have any thoughts or hope for a future. Brown wasn't the only person who said they'd heard chilling statements and brushed them off. Here's Bailey's friend Molly on the witness stand. Do you recall whether or not you ever heard uh, Matthew Queen say he was ultimately going to kill Michael Olson Bank? I know there's been statements. Yes. Now, based on your time uh, hanging out with... uh, Matthew Queen with Bailey. I mean, is this normal conversation? I'm going to torture a guy and I'm going to kill him. I didn't think it was serious. Like, I, you know, who tortures somebody, you know? When he's talking about torture, killing Micah at the time, was he also expressing why? Can't recall. Now, this information that you had at the time of Mr. Queen, what he wanted to do to Micah. What did you do with that information? Did you call the authorities, look, tell Micah? And what did you do? I didn't do anything with it because I didn't think he was serious. Now, when these comments are being made, was Bailey in the room for that? Yes. Okay, what was her response? She was for it. What do you mean by that? She, um wanted to go along with it. What were you thinking about your friend Bailey when she's expressing a desire to go along with torturing and killing someone? That's, it's crazy talk. Did you try to talk her out of it? No. Cheryl and Jane were sitting about a row apart, silently looking forward as the prosecution went through testimony about Bailey making statements they said supported their argument that she and Queen killed Micah together. It was moments like that during the trial that I realized, technically, in order to win a conviction against Queen and have him behind bars indefinitely, jurors would have to believe that Bailey helped kill Micah, as that was the prosecution's theory, which is where it got deeply complicated for Jane. She and Cheryl both wanted the same thing in terms of Matt Queen being convicted and sent to prison. But the last thing Jane wanted was anyone thinking her daughter was a killer. It was such a twisted, strange situation. Bailey and Micah's relationship was brought up again when Caleb, one of Queen's alleged kidnapping victims, took the stand. Were you aware of kind of the interactions between Bailey and Micah, whether they got along? They were uh, pretty well known for not getting along. They were just really hostile towards each other. They had a apparent history and it was just like if they were together in the same setting it was it just a matter of time before someone was fighting with the other one about who knows what at the time I found myself thinking back to the comments Sarah left on my very first story that suggested the possibility that Micah and Bailey's disappearances could be connected Micah's dad had commented referring to them as acquaintances Sarah responded to that and said, Micah was more than an acquaintance, but she didn't say friend. Maybe it meant nothing, or maybe it was intentional. 
Despite some witnesses saying the two couldn't stand each other, they seemed to be around each other a lot. But if this trial was showing us anything, it was that this friend group had some oddities to it, including there seemingly being a lot of discussion about sex trafficking and sexual assault. To be frank, some of this starts to get convoluted. But here's what we know. Matt Queen seemed to talk about sex trafficking a lot. He posted about it on social media, often accusing the Bakersfield Police Department of being involved. During the trial, testimony was shared about some of the people in the circle of friends pointing the finger at one another that they'd apparently assaulted women. I found this to be the most confusing part. We also know that Bailey reported to law enforcement that she'd been gang-raped by four men, and then a few months later, she'd apparently been sexually assaulted again. Sex trafficking, sexual assault, and overall mistreatment of women also came up numerous times as it pertained to Micah. It seemed to be a well-known part of his character, even among self-proclaimed drug addicts and criminals, that Micah was very against these things. And you might be thinking to yourself, well, who isn't against sex trafficking and abusing women? But it wasn't just that Micah was against it. It was that he was vocal enough about it that it was almost a part of his identity to the people in the friend circle. Tim Hennessy, Queen's defense attorney, asked multiple witnesses about this. Here's Hennessy questioning Sarah, Bailey's close friend who started dating Matt Queen. When you were talking about some of the things that Micah would rant about, uh, were some of those having to detail uh, how he rescued women that were being pimped out or something of that effect? Yeah, he didn't like that kind of stuff. Okay. Did he ever get also worked up a rant about people making those accusations about him. I'm not saying they're true. I'm saying those accusations being made towards him. Yes. I knew there had to be a reason Queen's attorney wanted this brought out in court, but I couldn't figure out why. And then Hennessy called Queen to the stand. For many of us in the courtroom, it was almost surreal knowing he was going to share his side of things after years of saying little to nothing other than everyone had it all wrong. Um, Mr. Queen, why are you testifying today? Well, I think it's about time the truth come out. Queen discussed meeting Bailey, meeting Micah, and their friendship. And remember the disturbing photo Cheryl described in a previous episode that Queen sent to Micah that made it look like Bailey was dead? Queen said it really wasn't as weird as it sounds. It was literally just as a joke to make it look like she was dead and fake her own death. And then it turned into, well, let's let's send it to Mike and see if he comes. So that's when we sent the picture to him to see if he would come over and help me get rid of your body. He showed up. Okay. And so she was prepared. She was hiding behind the Suburban. And when he walked up, she jumped out and was like, so if you come to bury me, you mother effort. Okay. Like, it was... What was his response to that? He was smiling. He was like, I knew you were dead. Queen said Micah thought it was funny and that Micah himself was a fun, joking kind of guy most of the time. Micah was hot and cold. Micah was pretty charismatic. Like, he was kind of fun to be around right up until he wasn't. Like, he would be everything. He would be, like, the center of attention life of the party, and then all of a sudden it would turn as soon as he felt weird about something. And then Queen's attorney, Tim Hennessy, brought up all the talk among the circle of friends about sex trafficking 
and how it seemed people in the circle of friends accused one another of sexual assault, which had come up in some witness testimony. And again, I found to be odd. What was the relevance? We were about to find out. It began with Queen discussing the last time he saw Micah when Micah showed up to his house. Here are some excerpts of what he says took place. He comes in, he sits down. We are in the garage. He was talking about a girl that he slept with. He was kind of bragging about the experience, and I made a comment of kind of like with Ashley. What does that mean? My understanding of that situation it was there was a misunderstanding with Ashley and their sexual relationship. The story was a little strange, but Queen went on to explain that a woman named Ashley made a joke or something like it after she and Micah slept together. And Micah somehow completely misinterpreted her comment as her saying the sex wasn't consensual. But Queen said Ashley never meant to imply that. And if I understand it was him overreacting to something she had said and her trying to explain to him that's not what I'm saying, but him getting worked up over Yes. Queen explained Micah was very sensitive about this misunderstanding between him and this girl, Ashley. So when Queen made that comment, quote, kind of like with Ashley, when Micah was talking about sleeping with someone new, he says Micah had a strong reaction. He flips out. He jumped out of his chair, pointed a gun at me, and said, I did not rape her. What's going through your head? What's going on through my head? Yeah. It, Mike has lost his shit again, He's pointing a gun, and directly behind me in the living room with my four-year-old son watching cartoon. What happens next? I stood up and told him you better put that damn gun away. How's he acting? What's going on? He's shaking. His hand is shaking. Bailey walked in through the garage door. As soon as she walked through the door, he turned the gun on her. I responded by tackling Micah to the ground. I'm struggling to subdue Micah. And I'm screaming at Bailey to find the gun. Where's the gun? I tried to get his hands behind his back. I'm trying to get, the, as soon as I get the other one on there, that's when it happened. What happened? Bailey dropped a 40-pound dumbbell on his head. After that, it looked like somebody jumped over a gallon of red paint. I panic. I don't know what to do. I'm just trying to... I tell her to give me one of the towels, one of the chop towels that are there. I'm trying to put it under his head. My response is like, Bailey, what, what did you fucking do? She says, I didn't mean to. What's going through your mind? What's happening now? My mind is utter, like, just utter panic. My biggest fear is that my four-year-old's going to walk through the door and see a dead man in my garage. All I wanted to do was just fix it, make it go. I just, I want this over. I want this done. I want this out of my garage. I want this out. I just don't want it anymore. There's a roll of plastic over in the corner that we were using to build a duck pond in the back. Grab that plastic, unrolled it. Rolled Micah over grabbed the gun that was underneath him, set it on the table, and then I wrapped him up. We wrapped him up in it. Queen said he then turned to his old friend, Matthew Van de Castile. I called Matt, asked to use his garage. What exactly did you tell Matt? My exact words, I need to use your garage. 
can't have the plot. Queen said he and Bailey drove to Van de Castile's, went in the garage, and... We began to literally chop my body. Bailey had a plan to chop him up and drop him in the ocean or the lake. Her, I don't know her plan wasn't too realistic, but at the time, I'm not, I don't know what to do at this point. The plan still was undecided. I mean, I think it plan gravitated to we just need to take him and bury him somewhere. Somewhere where no one's going to find him. Queen testified they spent most of the next day driving around trying to decide on a location to bury Micah. He says finally he and Bailey found a place in the desert that seemed to work. At some point, I realized that there's an arm missing. Queen said it was sheer chaos at that point. The rest of Micah's body was buried aside from his skull and one of his arms they'd misplaced. And he said by the time they'd found it, they decided instead of going back to the desert, they should just go to the river instead. When he finished testifying that day, most of us were stunned, including Sergeant Garrett. I've never heard of anybody taking a stand in front of a jury admitting to chopping somebody up and discarding them. They seem startled by that, you know, statement as well. That's kind of unheard of. I don't really put much weight in his his uh, testimony as far as his explanation of what happened. Um, Because for four years, he told me he had nothing to do with Micah's case. And that we were barking up the wrong tree, he was threatening lawsuits, that we were wasting our time. And then the man took the stand admitting to chopping him up. Holding him down while somebody else allegedly killed him, which that's a whole nother thing that I don't think is what happened. And then admitted to chopping up and discarding him. But his testimony wasn't over yet. Queen still had to undergo cross-examination by Prosecutor Eric Smith, which is the reason why defense attorneys rarely have their clients testify. It's a completely different situation answering questions on the stand from your own attorney versus a fierce prosecutor determined to catch you in lies. Prosecutor Smith is a quiet man, unassuming. He doesn't like the spotlight, like some other attorneys, He certainly doesn't try to put on a show. But he is not the prosecutor you want cross-examining you. He jumped right in with Queen. Is this something that you do, that just normal course of your life, that you assume no fault in anything but blame everyone else? Is that a fair assessment of you? Absolutely not. I'm pretty sure I got up here and took blame for everything I've done. You minimize everything, don't you? No. Here it's Bailey's fault. This is Bailey. Bailey's doing this. It was interesting, because even though prosecutors charged Bailey with Micah's murder as well, I got the feeling here that they were offended, really, that Queen pinned it all on her. Smith also zeroed in on Queen and Bailey's relationship. Here are a few different portions of his testimony. At this point, you're concerned about Bailey and her cheating on you. No. You have an insecurity problem. A question, or is that your observation? You wanted her to get rid of Facebook. You wanted her to get rid of Snapchat. You wanted her to stay at home. So you're a 40 year old hanging out with a 20 year old. You didn't want her to be on Snapchat, which most 20 year olds use. Yeah. What was the issue with that? What's wrong with Bailey communicating with people on Snapchat? 
I just didn't like it. I didn't like the act. Now, after she was gone, you started telling people that Bailey was extremely violent. Did you not? Uh, she was violent, yeah. You recognize this message that you sent out? Yes. Now, here you say, did I ever tell you Bailey has a list? Like a Stark girl in Game of Thrones, a fucking list. You're sending this information out that she's got a list of what type? Uh, like a list of people who have wronged her. I think that was the Stark girl list thing okay. from Game of Thrones. So you're putting it out there that there's people that's wronged her that she wants to get back at. That's what you're yes. putting out there. Again, trying to muddy up as it relates to Bailey. Yeah. Make her seem violent, right? This was an interesting moment. It seemed Prosecutor Smith thought Queen made up that Bailey had a list of people who'd wronged her. But her friend Jessica did describe something similar in a previous episode. Smith also focused on the image he says Queen created for himself, reading from Queen's text messages. I'm just about fed up with you disrespecting me. You wrote that, right? Yeah. You're about to find out why they call me the boogeyman. Yes. You should be answering my calls like it's life or death. Yes. Queen said the boogeyman label was a joke that his friends made. But this is what you liked at the time. You like that people think that you're, that they're scared of you. No, I wouldn't say I liked it. You liked that Micah called you scary, Matt. Made you feel good. No, I thought it was funny that he saw me as such a scary person. And this is to your brother. Yeah. Damn, dude. Seems like nobody answers or responds. I'm like this whole fucking town forgot who the fuck I am. That's what you thought at the time. I think it was the same time. Nobody was answering my call. Everybody's been like, everyone was. Because people are supposed to be scared of you because no, of what you do. You're the boogeyman. This is your own words. It's like the whole fucking town forgot who the fuck I am. It's not like you said, hey, bro, you're forgetting who I am. This is, you're talking about everybody. Your little group of people. They're forgetting who you are. I don't know what group of people you're talking about. Because that's your image in, the, in your mind at the time, who you thought you were. You thought you were a badass. You thought people were scared of you. You enjoyed it. Prosecutor Smith then brought up how Queen created several fake Facebook accounts to reach out to people after Bailey and Micah went missing, including Cheryl, Micah's mother, and that Queen spread constant misinformation to try to throw off the investigation. You even seen try to make it seem like you were in danger during this time, didn't you? I believe I was in danger. Uh, from what, you cutting yourself up? No, other dangers. All right, this is uh, from May 7, 2018. First Micah, and then ultimately you say, who's next? Me. That's what you're putting out there. I'm in danger, right? Yes. You're trying to make people think you're in danger when you're the one cutting somebody up. You even blame the cartel for Micah going missing. Correct? I don't know if I blame them for Micah. To refresh his memory, Smith read Queen a message he himself had sent to someone. Right. And did you hear the arm in the river? It was Micah. This is from 64140 on uh, December 21st, 2018, right? 
That's kind of fucking scary. I don't know what the fuck is going on in this town, but it's sounding more and more like cartel shit. Yeah. All right. You even blame the cartel for what happened to Micah. Yeah. You're blaming everybody. Yeah. Which cartel are we talking about, Mr. Queen? It's me kind of trying to divert away from the fact that they're probably going to find out. Right. You've blamed Bailey. You've lied to Holson Bakes' family. You're blaming the cartel. Oh, but now you're telling the truth. Is that, is that kind of what your assessment is? That's exactly my assessment. Right. Anyone else you blamed? You tried to throw the investigation off or you lied about? Anyone else? Not that I recall. All right. What about the Hells Angels? You ever say they were involved? I said that Michael was messing around with Hells Angels. You thought Micah Holsenbake was a fucking idiot, didn't you? He would say a lot of stupid things to some people he probably shouldn't have. Lastly, Smith dug into Queen regarding Micah's murder. At times, it was hard to listen to. You cut him up. We did, yes. You described cutting off his arm. I didn't cut his arm off, but cut his leg off, and it was pretty, pretty disgusting. So Bailey cut his arm off, right? Yes. What about his head? Did you cut his head off? No. So that one as well, you're saying Bailey did it? Bailey cut his arms and head off. When you cut off Mr. Holsenbeck's legs, what did you think? I thought it was fucking disgusting. Okay. Disgusting enough that you went ahead and cut off the other one? It wasn't easy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. As someone who hears about crime day in and day out for a living, I try to find a balance between being aware of the terrible things that can happen to people, especially women, while also not trying to let those thoughts take up too much space in my head. I strive to be conscious of safety without being fearful. And what really helps me strike that balance is having a home security system. When I turn my Simply Safe alarm on before bed, I just sleep better, and that alone makes it worth it to me. Your home is where you should feel the safest, and having that sense of security is really nice, especially when you're binging true crime all the time, like I know a lot of you listening probably are. Some great things about Simply Safe is it's really easy to set up. There's 24/7 customer service, there's no contracts. And there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Simply Safe has given me and many of my listeners peace of mind, and you deserve that too. Right now, you can get 20% off of any new Simply Safe system with Fast Protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/bakersfield. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Smith then brought up the rope that was tied to the bag Queen threw in the river that held Micah's arm. 
When asked why the rope was on the bag, Queen said it was because he initially tried to tie it to rocks as a makeshift anchor to keep the bag from moving. Why did Bailey's purse have that same rope attached to it? I couldn't tell you why it's on there. Let me guess, Bailey cut a piece off and tied it to her purse? I don't, I didn't tie it to that, I don't know, I don't know why it's there. Same rope tied around your headboard? Yep. Why is it there? Those things that we and Bailey and I were into, some Fifty Shades of Grey type of stuff. So that little piece of rope that's cut off, you're saying that's for sexual purposes? That's cut, it's cut off, it was longer, obviously. So we got that orange rope that's on your headboard. Got the rope on uh, Despot's purse and then on the bag where we find Mike is on. Is that your trophy to remind you of what you did? That's preposterous. Trophy? Right. Well, Trophy of what? Whose DNA is on that rope, Mr. Queen? Probably me and Bailey's. Your DNA. Brand new headboard, and you're tying some cheap marine rope to it. It's the only rope I ha- we had in the house. The only rope I could find. Then Smith grilled Queen on his disposal of Micah's skull, asking him why he filled the helmet bag with rocks. Because I didn't want anyone to find it. I never imagined a kid finding. Now this whole uh, bearing Micah—it was a joke to you. I don't find it funny at all. I don't think it's a joke. You thought it was a joke at the time, and you don't think it is now. But you it thought wasn't it even time. a joke at the time. Smith then read a text message Queen sent to Bailey the day after Queen says he disposed of Micah's body. Sorry about last night. The job took longer than expected. You know how I like to do things the right way. Never cutting any corners. You cut a man up and you're writing in a message, never cutting any corners. Everything to you is a joke. That's what you said the whole time. That's not funny at all. That's what you wrote, never cutting any corners. This is hours after you've dismembered a man. There's no correlation. I'm not trying to be punny in this text by using the word cut. Odd choice of words. Wouldn't you agree? I agree. Never cutting any corn. Very odd. Unintentional. After Queen told his story on the stand about what happened to Micah, the trial was put on pause for a day while he and Sergeant Garrett and other investigators went out to the desert where Queen agreed to bring them to where he said he and Bailey buried the rest of Micah's body and the dumbbell he said Bailey killed Micah with. But nothing was recovered aside from a small piece of bone that was out in the open. Investigators said they couldn't tell if it was animal or human. And Prosecutor Smith did not seem thrilled that Queen had seemingly wasted their time. Where's the dumbbell? I, I mean, ask them. I don't know. I don't know what was recovered. The last person who supposedly knew where it was is you. Where's the dumbbell? Right where I told them that it was. There's no dumbbell there, Mr. Queen. Where's the gun that you're saying Micah had? Where is it? Disassembled and thrown in a garbage can. I'm not up here to play lawyer, okay? I don't, I don't know. I'm asking you, is there one shred of evidence besides your own word that proves what you're saying about Micah? 
anything on social media, a photo, a text, a tweet, a post, anything, anything that supports your claim, here as you testify. No, I didn't post any of my, I don't post any evidence that I committed. Right. You post about other people that they probably did. Absolutely. Any witness that supports your description of what happened? Nope. None. Right? Once prosecutor Eric Smith was done with Queen, the trial had pretty much wrapped up. Overall, there'd been 60 witnesses over a 10-day period. Now it was time for both attorneys to make their case one last time before the jury began deliberating. Here are portions from both attorneys' closing statements, starting with Prosecutor Smith. Smith reminded jurors that days earlier, the trial was put on hold so Queen and Sergeant Garrett could go to the desert to try to corroborate Queen's story. Even at this late hour, he comes up and he wants to show where things are at. He was given the chance in a murder trial to go find what he says is out there. And you know what? It's not out there. It's not out there. He was given the chance. He got to go out there and lead him out there. There's no dumbbell out there. He got the chance. That's unheard of. In the end, Queen and Prosecutor Smith's stories of Micah's death were fairly similar. Where their narratives differed was the manner in which Micah was killed. And so much of that boils down to whether or not Micah was still alive when he was brought to Vanda Castile's garage that night. Smith says he was, which backs his theory that this was premeditated murder. Meanwhile, Queen says Micah was already dead when he and Bailey showed up to Vanda Castile's garage, which he says they used to dismember his body. Remember, Queen says Micah died at his house much earlier in the afternoon, and that it was Bailey alone who killed him. This is significant because even though Queen admitted he took part in dismembering and disposing of Micah's body, he was not actually charged with either of those things. So if the jury believed his story, he'd quite likely be acquitted of all charges pertaining to Micah's murder. And now in the final moments of the trial, Prosecutor Eric Smith was determined to make sure that didn't happen. He told the jury that Queen's own phone records show he was lying and that during the time he said this all went down at his house, Queen wasn't even there. He's not even at the house. This is red as Matthew Queen. This is at 117. Supposedly, supposedly, Micah Holsenbake is deceased on his garage floor. Supposedly, his four-year-old son is in the other room. But Matthew Queen's out and about driving? It's not true what he's saying. It's demonstrably false. None of his story is true. Not one bit. He's not wrapping Micah up in plastic. He's not cleaning up the rags. And really, do you think he's out driving with a dead body? No. Do you think he's driving and the dead body's at home and his four-year-old kid is there? No. Because it didn't happen the way he said it. Smith says not only is Queen a liar, he has no remorse for what he did pointing out a photo they found that Queen took at the river. This is April 6th, 2018. It's about two weeks after he's dismembered Micah Holsenbeck. He's thrown the bodies into the river, the Kern River, and what does he do? Here he is, having a jokey old jolly time, right there in the background 
of his photo, you can see where he's thrown the skull of Micah Holson Bay. Can you imagine taking that photo? Can you imagine it? You know, he knows full well where Micah Holsenbeck's head is. It's right behind him in this photo. There he is, acting like he's some kind of badass. Then Smith said something I know killed Jane to listen to as she sat in the audience with Cheryl and Di. You had two people together who have expressed a desire to kill someone. That's Matthew Queen and Bailey. William Brown actually put it pretty well. It's kind of like Bonnie and Clyde, but that's what they were. They had both expressed the same desire and they both became a part of that, of that killing of Micah Holsenbeck. They wanted it. He ended with, he killed Micah Holsenbeck. Whether or not Micah was at kind of the low point of his life at the time, he should have been given the chance to rise from that, but he took it from him. Next was Queen's attorney, Tim Hennessy. But I want to be clear about something. I do not think Queen is being framed. If I ever go missing, I hope Sergeant Garrett gets the case. I don't know if he'll take it, but I hope he gets it. He's a good cop. He did a great job. He got the when, the where, the who. I disagree on the what. Hennessy circled back to the very first thing he told the jury when the trial began. This case is not an elaborate, dark murder plot, but rather a series of sad lives intertwining, resulting in one giant tragedy. And what we've been hearing is like this version that tries to avoid all that and tries to get right to the evil of it all. But the sadness of it all, I can't get around. Hennessy said, based on everything we know about the circle of friends, It's not hard to believe that a poor-taste joke about Micah having non-consensual sex would set him off, leading to his death. I don't think this this has nothing to do with the Micah that his family and everyone remembers. This is a different person. He's erratic. He's a loose cannon. So you've got someone who is on record as being unstable and being offended that he'd be tied into any of this sexual assault stuff. Then Hennessy brought up Matt Vandecastiel, Queen's former friend who told Sergeant Garrett all sorts of damning things about Queen. Vandecastiel, like I won't say his name three times. I'm afraid he'll appear like Candyman. That guy terrifies me. In addition to the Candyman comparison, Hennessy said there were numerous reasons why Vandecastiel's information he gave Sergeant Garrett is questionable. By the time he gets interviewed on November 20th, Bakersfield three is a full-blown thing. There's been Olivia LaVoice specials. And he added, He's been shown a gender reveal party. To be fair, I found that Vanda Castile was shown the gender reveal video of Matt Queen and his ex Sarah at the very end of the police interview. Anyhow, Hennessy told jurors that while Queen's behavior wasn't perfect, he was not this evil criminal mastermind, and that throughout the years of the investigation, an image was created of him making him and the case seem much more sinister than reality. Here's how Hennessy wrapped things up for the jury. I got a friend who every time his team has the ball, he stands up. And the reason why he does that is he thinks if he sits down, they're never going to score. Every time I get, up, get on a plane, I do the sign of the cross and I hit the gate number. Why? Because if I do not do that, the plane will crash. Because the reality is we got to feel like we're in control of something. Because the reality is, is like day to day is just like a dice throw. 
I leave for work five minutes early. That's the day that I get hit by a car. But life works like that. Life works like chaos, right? We never know. The idea that at any minute some, someone, someone else can do something and it changes everything, a war could break out, there could be an epidemic, all that stuff, at any minute, drives us crazy. So we knock on wood. We come up with things that make us feel like we are in control. As a group, we've come up with things over time that we can place. The reason why the crops aren't working is because of witches, right? We come up with monsters. We come up with folklore. Because then we can put something on one thing. And we feel better. We feel in control. It's less scary. They want to hang Queen for being the boogeyman. Because if it's just all Queen, then all this other stuff, it makes sense. That these people that we've seen, we don't normally see people uh, like Bailey. Everyone describes it being so beautiful. Or Micah. Right, like this young, handsome guy. That's not usually who we're used to seeing being affected by violence, by methamphetamine, by guns. That's not what we're used to seeing. And the reality is this is like way scarier and a much bigger problem we got to deal with. But if we just say it's Queen, right, then we're done. It's just evil Queen. You can hate him. You can convict him on a bunch of stuff. And man, you can even hate me for standing up for him. That's fine. But you cannot convict him for killing Michael Holsenbeck. And that was it. Now it was time for the jury to deliberate and for us to wait. Felt like I was in the wrong courtroom. I'm not going to give motherfucking Matt Queen the satisfaction of seeing me cry. We, the jury, find the defendant, Matthew Richard Queen. That's next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.